And we're live. What a week. Did anything happen this week? <laughs> uh, a couple of things happened, and it's only Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Config happened. We should talk about that. We should. Uh, you didn't even know about this, but uh, there was a Google event. They announced a bunch of Pixel stuff, mostly hardware. Yeah, I didn't realize there was a Google event at all. Yeah. <laughs> this is just like, I've just been so heads down with work that... I didn't even know this was going on today. I just saw, so literally this was like an hour or two before now. So I didn't have a lot of time to go over it, Mm. uh, the details, but I saw The Verge's recap. You know, it's like 18 minute long or something YouTube video. Oh, okay. So I feel like, all right, I'm qualified to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't have, I mean, we'll see if we have time. And also, you know, last week Finn started daycare is great which means that this week we started being sick (laughs) oh no really (laughs) yeah i think we probably just caught like a stomach bug or something oh god and it hit all of us like differently Uh, finn just like threw up one night but he's fine and then i i've just been like a bit off just feeling a bit nauseous or whatever but fine and dabs had a terrible night which means i was also up all night and then i took over finn morning the studio you know morning baby duty uh so it's just been a really really long day i'm so sorry bud <laughs> that sucks <laughs> it's all good hopefully it'll get better it's fine it could be worse it's manageable <laughs> this is fine <laughs> this is fine this is fine <laughs> <laughs> Like sometimes when we're scheduling the recording, so the default is we record on on Mondays. That gives us plenty of time to edit, and then we usually post it on Fridays. But sometimes, you know, we have to move the recording because I don't know we're busy or something's on Monday. So sometimes we ask, "Hey, what about I don't know Tuesday or Wednesday?" This week we were like, "Hey, config is happening like Monday. It would be nice if we could just wait a day or two, so then we can talk about it instead of having to wait a full week to then talk about it." But when you do that, it's like. It's always a risk because like, well, I could record today. I don't know if in two days, like what's my life's going to be like, you know, <laughs> am I going to be wrecked and super tired? I don't know. Maybe. So it's always a gamble when you move the, <laughs> the recordings around, but this is fine. We should talk about config and stuff. It's like, you know what? Nothing can be worse than last week and <laughs> getting the recording done. So last week we went over like every day until the last possible minute. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, before we get to topics, I want to give two small updates on stuff that, uh, well, I guess we talked about. As I was editing last week's episode, where then I was talking about some of the app icon explorations and especially the that UI for the app picker, I realized that just, I just forgot a bunch of stuff that I wanted to talk about and didn't. <laughs> and I'm not going to rehash the whole conversation. Let's say that when I was hearing myself talk about it it felt like oh man this is so easy i just came up with all these ideas and implemented them right away there's a bunch of little other stuff that i didn't get to let's just say that the process was a bit messy or messier than maybe it came out of one was that like all of the hidden icon that was not the original idea and i just want to you know leave that on the record we went through a bunch of explorations uh in like very short time but like a bunch and initially i wanted to have like a grid of icons that you could select from and then another grid of icons like the icons were locked right either like Mm. subdued or just inactive looking or like locked behind like a glass panel or something interesting and so the original idea was that if you tapped on an icon we give you something saying you know not available yet but then if you tapped it again and again and again maybe if you tapped it like 30 times then you would unlock (laughs) that was the original interaction idea that we didn't get to Uh, just like a lot of work Uh, also i want to coin a term i can't believe i didn't say it the grid with a gradient we call it gradient because we're so clever (laughs) the gradient and lastly this is an actual follow-up 
last week, right after we finished the recording, I went back to work because like I was still working on implementation, like in a, in a little details, and especially making the whole view responsive, which is not something I usually have to think too much mm. on when designing for iOS. But nowadays, you know, we might be surprised at like actually how many different screen sizes there are if you just support iPhone or like the latest version of iOS, which supports back to the <laughs> iPhone SE, yeah. the first gen. It looks like the a five or five S. A lot of screen sizes. And for me, because I wanted to have like certainly like some views like outside of the frame. Long story short, it's like if I use spacer, which is like dynamically filling up the space to make everything, you know, fill this with a container in Swift UI. It's great because, you know, that is responsive. Make everything. I make the actual frame of like the sparkles in the icon one pixel tall have an offset so it's like you know even further down Mm -hmm. and make that at the bottom of the sheet that's great the problem is if you use spacers when you scroll up to then reveal the thing it would recalculate the space because then all of a sudden the view is taller so it would push stuff around as you try to pull up oh interesting which is like the opposite of what i want yeah so let's just say that it took me up until uh, today to like actually finish uh, everything and make it work responsive and uh, make all the bugs, you know, whatever. Like the latest one was because I think I mentioned this because I wanted you to like with one finger scroll up with a second finger tap on the icon. If I just use a simple tap gesture, it wouldn't recognize it because it was still being hijacked by the scroll up motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to use a long press gesture with a like zero minimum timing or whatever they call it you know that was the only way to do it but then if you were to like swipe home gesture i don't know how i'm gonna say this is a bug uh swift i would think that you're actually tapping on the thing even though you're not but i guess the whole motion of like swiping the app up would like trigger that so if you try to quit the app you would you know select a new icon (laughs) so and that took me another day to figure out anyway just want to mention like some of these updates on the thing. It's not like super easy and super flawless and painless. There's a lot of little things. Even when you get you have the UI solved, you have to do a bunch of compromising on implementation. That's all the updates on that. And another thing I would just want to say, you know, since I have a podcast hack, I'm going to use it to promote some of my stuff. <laughs> Today, I launched a person update to Hand Mirror to support center stage. For people who have an Apple Studio display, uh, and you use Hand Mirror, it supports center stage. It took me a long time. Documentation was scarce. I didn't have a thing to test it on. I reached out on Twitter. A lot of lovely people helped me out testing this. And then today I went to the Apple store, <laughs> asked the Apple store employee, by the way, can I try these displays, but like with my own laptop? And the person was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they were not very confident that I could do that. <laughs> but they're like, maybe. And I'm like, it's just this cable. I can right. just you know, <laughs> unplug from like a Mac studio. I put the laptop on top of the Mac Studio because these cables are like... <laughs> They're so short. So short. But but even the real cable is so short. Right. So, But in this case, it was like there was no give. <laughs> right. Okay. So I had to place my laptop right on top of this little <laughs> Mac Studio, plug it in, <laughs> test it out. I recorded something real quick because I wanted to like have a video of it working for a tweet. Mm, I see. Uh, I recorded the thing. The Apple Store employee was like... It's now part of the video. I appreciate it. They were really nice. Uh, and uh, yeah. Wait, did you tell them they would be recorded as part of this? Oh, yeah, I said, can I record? Uh, you know, I asked. They said, it's okay. I, I didn't nice. explicitly say, and by the way, I'm going to post this online and all that. But 
you know uh, or, you know it's a public space it should be okay i hope <laughs> <laughs> that's it it's on the app store it's live that is so funny how is that a lot of work to support or is this just a flag you need to enable somewhere <sighs> kevin <sighs> i'm gonna reveal just how lazy and bad of a developer i am <laughs> i looked at the documentation and there's effectively like three new methods for center stage one is like is center stage enable another one which returns a bool and another one is it is it active and then there's another which is like a center stage mode maybe there's another word effectively you can say that it's user controlled meaning the sides of center stage is on or off for this app mm. uh, if it's app controlled meaning you the app decide if control center is enabled uh, or what they call it like the cooperative which is like you as the app can like ask or like can either have some ui to toggle it on or off but like in my case i provide a default but the user can still go in control center and like override the setting. Mm. That is the recommended mode. So this stuff, I could not make it work. Like it was like a, a read-only thing. I it didn't work. So for the first time, I'm like, all right, this is not even a real build. I'm going to send the test file link to some people. But like this is not going to work. Because the only thing I did was like, if center stage mode is enabled, print something and say center stage mode. <laughs> like just a NIF, like a check and printing something. In that, I guess just recompiling against that made it work huh um so then i finally found a way to like add the cooperative mode so i thought it made sense but i do have it on by default because i assume that's also how most people would expect it Mm -hmm. but then again people now can go on control center and turn it off so it was in total like i don't know five lines of code so pretty easy but pretty uh documentation was not great like i was shooting in the dark as you often do with these things yeah and presumably was there no way for you to test it either right no no because like there's no mac simulator no (laughs) i mean now that i know of i'm surprised but yeah i mean yeah because on ios like you can simulate a lot of these things even if you don't have a device with like say face id and stuff like that you can like toggle a thing to like authenticate with face id or whatever like there's a bunch of things you can't do that with everything but there's a bunch that like you could just test out in the simulator true yeah with the mac i guess not really a possibility (laughs) but i guess even with i mean center stage on ipad also can't test it because you don't have access to the camera oh that's right simulator so yeah it was tough i was like well send a test flight build does this work <laughs> i had a lot of like really nice people uh screen recording and like showing me what was happening but still like i went to the apple store just to test it if it was not working i don't think they would let me like debug something <laughs> with my laptop on top <laughs> of the mac studio uh, <laughs> like someone's hacking our computers <laughs> And by the way, the, the Apple Store employee was really like trying to sell me this display. I think initially they thought I was, I don't know, testing it to see if I wanted to buy it. They're like, this guy's real interested. Like he's he's previewing how his work is going to function on this computer. It's like, we, we've got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. But uh, yeah, I actually have that one <laughs> pointing to the XDR. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And they stopped. And I'm sure they're all like, oh, wow, we've never sold one of these <laughs> before. <laughs> like, so what's, you're what's the, the one. ratio? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, how often do they sell these in store? Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> Must not happen very often. Probably not. Uh, they don't even, at least at the time, they didn't have it in stock. That's why I bought mine from like another store, another like, mm, electronics right. store. Because they, they did have it in stock. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for follow-up. 
Let's talk about config and stuff. But uh, hey, why don't we take a quick break to tell our listeners about one of our sponsors today? Yeah, let's do it. This week, we are sponsored once again by Around. Listen, one of the most frustrating parts about working remotely is that video calls take up your entire screen. So if you're working with others, you have to constantly switch between windows so you can see people's faces and then switch back so you can get your work done. Well, Around is a new video calling solution that's specifically designed for collaboration and working together, not for meetings. Because we can all use a bit fewer meetings in our days. Uh, Around has a lightweight, unobtrusive interface that floats onto your desktop and gets out of your way. Like I said, really focuses on getting work done together. The interface is super intuitive, very easy to use, and their team is obsessed with design just like we all are. Uh, so it's a beautiful product, has a ton of thoughtful touches. It is built for collaboration and really reduce fatigue. And so they have features like uh, filters that you can apply to your image. Um, so you don't have to worry about what your background looks like or, you know, how you woke up this morning, if it's a bad hair day or, or any of that. You can email notes to all of the attendees after a meeting. Uh, they have noise suppression. They have, we've talked at length about one of our favorite features, which are the GIFs, which take over your, your little image on the screen and just add a dose of fun. And I personally never get tired of it. And you don't even have to take our word for it that it's great. The design community in its entirety is raving about this tool. So if you go to Twitter and search for around underscore HQ, you'll be able to see what people are saying. And trust me, they're saying a ton of great things. And I would echo all of these thoughts. So if you want to learn more, Go to around.co. We'll have a link in the show notes. You can click that link or just check it out, around.co. Give it a try for yourself. You'll see you won't regret it and you won't be able to use another meeting tool ever again. Around is so great and we love using it. Our thanks to Around for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. All right. Config is here again. It's that time of the year. Boom. Boom. Yeah. It's becoming like the design event of the year if that makes sense at least in our circles in our twitter sphere it feels like it probably is it's that and dub dub right <laughs> yeah basically i feel like this year i don't know if something changed for me but i really felt like this event really came together mm-hmm. and it was just like figma is just nailing everything it seems like right now and i know they've like done a lot of things right in the past too but it was just I don't know. There was a moment for me where I was like, oh, yeah, like we're all using Figma. Like it seems like the entire industry is like fully transitioned over now. Like we're all here. We're all excited. We're all rooting for them. And so the excitement level feels like it reached a higher level than maybe in previous years. Yeah. And even on the on the stuff we got, like on the announcements, it's an interesting conference in where we do have the, the keynote, like Dylan uh Gives you the keynote. That's usually where you see all the improvements and everything they're shipping on Figma, the tool. But also, I think wasn't it last year? Like it was a config that introduced uh, FigJam, right? It was also at that. Mm-hmm, I think keynote. so. Yeah. So it's all the product announcements, and then after that's done, it's usually well. Then the rest of the conference is. It's not like a Figma conference. It's like a Figma hosted conference. So apart from that initial keynote, it feels like then you get all the design community content, right, from all the talks. Yeah. And so that format. I think if it was just a Figma conference, 
just talking about Figma, it wouldn't feel as special as it does this way, I think. Because again, you know, we usually see we have a lot of our friends giving talks every year or, you know, it's, it's like mm-hmm. I do feel that sense of community. And this year they did the whole, like, the conference itself is 24-7. Well, not 24-7. It's 24 hours in one day. <laughs> 24 hours, yeah. yeah. No, no seven. I, how do you feel about that? I feel like it is an inclusive format. Uh, it also makes it like you just can't watch everything, right? <laughs> I think they have like a hundred, yeah, a uh, hundred talks, I think, or a hundred guests or speakers, maybe, because maybe like they're counting some talks are like more than one speaker. Anyway, a lot of content is what I'm trying to say, and I feel like the alternative, what would be a couple days? So this format is just like I'm hoping and expecting and relying on the fact that they'll probably release the tapes uh release the recordings um <laughs> so we can watch it uh at our own time soon uh i did miss a friend ryan's talk over designing dark mode but it was at 1 a.m for me or something that i just like i was asleep so i did miss it mm-hmm. and uh, that's a bummer uh but uh yeah i think i forget which one i was watching and they were like oh and you should totally watch this talk which will be at 5 a.m and i was like there's no way in hell i'm watching <laughs> this talk live (laughs) so yeah hopefully they will be uh posted online afterwards again i appreciate the inclusiveness of it all but yeah it just feels like that's too much (laughs) there's just there's just so much content i was like you can stretch it out like that's fine like don't you know (laughs) don't try i I feel for me what would be a maybe a better compromise or i actually really like the model that apple uses for wwdc where it's like You'll have the talks be on a specific day, and then they're available online immediately after that. Right, right. I think that would be an easier model. And then, I mean, then they can do whatever time frame that they want, but there's not that sort of like wait period of, hey, like, I missed this talk. When are they going to release it? When am I going to be able to see? So right, no, I agree that that is a good model, and it's interesting to see. It's not the return to in-person conference. This was an online conference, but some of the content was recorded live in person, if that makes sense. So they would have like hosts mm-hmm. and, and Dylan's that was certainly live. I actually am not sure if like other talks were live. I think they were pre-recorded, but I'm not sure actually. So, but this was, you know, so it's like a hybrid. It's like a live, but online. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like live TV, right? You watch live TV, but <laughs> you know, it's live, but not in person. Right. And also Google's, keynote uh, event thing also was it was definitely in person on stage but i think was just like just for their employees or something i don't think it was like an open Hmm. event that public event that people could attend to maybe there was some press in there i'm not sure but it's like this hybrid right because also for config they had a lot of dare i say festivities they had like a lot of stuff happening in their (laughs) offices but again i think i believe it was just for employees so right interesting to see the format uh dub is coming also they're doing the thing like i think dub itself is going to be the same as it's been the past couple of years on all digital but then they're hosting like an in-person separate thing right yeah so we're going through this hybrid this transition phase i hope you know at the end of the road like when, once we go through the transition we keep a lot of this good things that we, we've seen in this online format like having well i'm a fan of like the higher production quality you know recorded edited videos especially for like announcements and stuff then there's purely on stage but anyway i'm I'm yeah that's another thing that i'm i'm not sure that like so for example i watched dylan's like live presentation i'm not sure that it needed 
to be recorded live for me personally? Like, did it bring, did you feel like it brought something extra to the presentation or did you feel like that was just kind of no you know no they wanted to do that and maybe it's we're used to like google's and apple's like production quality for for a lot of these but like it made me feel like hey if you had just pre-recorded this it would have been just as good if not better because then you can like edit stuff and you can you know Mm -hmm. you can make it look a bit fancier but i agree but I can see that having something that is clearly live brings that sense of, uh, like, we're all a part of something. We're watching this together, everyone at the same That's time. That's true, yeah. I mean, it's not that we don't feel that, let's say, with dub which is pre-recorded stuff. But it's it's definitely more removed, right? It's like we're watching something together, but it's not really happening together. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I see pros and cons. I, I personally like when it's, like, highly produced. I remember it was um, Vercel's. Also, they had, like, a conference yeah thing, i forget the name and theirs was pre-recorded right yeah no for sure and was it? highly edited yeah and, yeah a lot of production there i'm a fan of that because mm-hmm. it also i don't know it's just also maybe it's just it's new or different but i think there's more opportunity for some creativity and how to just communicate these stories these messages even with apples i feel like dub dub 2020 like the first digital one and 2022 we'll see like not just of those like all the all the digital events you could see a, like an evolution in the format yeah i like the creativity i think we can do something more interesting there as well if we want to go that path yeah absolutely i do think one thing i gotta say like huge huge amounts of respect for figma for pretty much all the things that they've announced available immediately that's true it's amazing I feel like that's, it's so weird that it's not even my expectation anymore. I feel like all of the companies have just trained me over all of these years to be like, you know, when we announce stuff, we kind of mean generally in in the next couple of months, you will maybe start seeing these things. Thingma is like, nope, like right away, like you finish watching the video and then you have the feature, right? Like it's just so amazing how they're able to time these things and have us like in my case i mean i watched a little bit after where i like went through the the video it's like yep like as i was watching i was playing with figma and like trying out the features as they're talking about them it's just really really great seriously that's so hard just from a like just pure project management (laughs) like to make sure that everything is ready yeah lined up and you know Cause you know, you know, like someone was like, do we have to, like, maybe we could release it later. It would just make things so much easier. We can just worry about the event, right? We don't have to worry about breaking anything in the product in the middle of our event. Like the sort of rational side of you would say, oh no, just ship it later. Like just do the event, just do the announcement and then do the separate milestone of launching it. They absolutely don't have to. Yeah, they don't have to. And it would be fine and no one would complain, right? Like everyone would be like, oh yeah, whatever. That's just how it is. But I love that they release these features immediately. It's just so much better that way. Hey, I mean, contrast that with the Google event. They've announced Pixel 7, like the new models, which won't be released until fall. <laughs> so they like half announced it. They announced it, but, like they, but they're going to tell us more about it. And right. they announced the Pixel tablet, which won't come out like in a year. Like it's next year, <laughs> end of next year thing. And they, the pre-announcement was like, they showed it and here it is. And it was a 3D render of a tablet running Android. Uh, and that's it. 
they didn't talk more about it they showed you in like all right so anyway that's in contrast props to figma this is great and even then like the actual announcements like the features they shipped it's rare that uh, i as a user of a product pretty much like every single checkbox like everything single thing they shipped I'm like this was highly requested like needed right we love it the execution implementation like it's very satisfying it's not like ah oh, they did something like this but i actually but now i'm still missing this other thing or i actually think they should have done this differently well i have maybe one of these but okay <laughs> we can get into right. it but yeah we can get into it and pretty much all of it like i can generally see a use case for it right it's not like yes oh i guess there's some enterprise customers wanted it or you know <laughs> it was very satisfying and like yes they're listening even like an ios release there's like a bunch of stuff that I'm like you know that's really not for me and here nope mm. you know it's, it's great it felt really really good yeah absolutely yeah I, I have to agree there uh do you want to get into it like we can go into the the various features let's go okay so first one even before they've officially announced it i think everyone was just like what is this <laughs> is this a dark mode in figma <laughs> Is he going to say anything about it? So, yeah, they did announce a, a dark mode in Figma, and it looks amazing. Yep. <laughs> For me, as soon as I saw it, it was like, yep, this looks right. I never want to use Figma in light mode ever again. Thank you. This is how it should have been in the first place. I like their implementation. I love the feature, and god damn it, it, was, it must have been one of the most recurring tweets was just somehow complaining about the lack of dark mode in Figma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it was like a pilgrimage. I, you know, every three months I would have to tweet it. Because, you know, especially recently I started working nights or until later since my kid was born. And so now I, I'm on Figma, like just always at night and like in a dark room. So it was even <laughs> right. just putting the finger on the wound, like, god damn, I need this. And I was lucky enough to have been on a beta for this, like for the past, I don't even know, a month or two, uh, enough that like I stopped thinking about it. <laughs> it just became like the norm. <laughs> right. And um, I even felt bad because like Ryan, you know, shared the beta with me as like, you know, give me feedback and this thing, you notice that it's broken. I think I shared like one or two things like in the day and then nothing else because <laughs> it, it was done. Like it was great. Like, it was, what do you expect? And because of it, it feels so boring for me. Like, when you use it, it's like, yep, it's great. It's exactly what I wanted it to be. And it's exactly what I expected it to be. It's great. But then you just know that, you know, it's not simple. It's one of those features that, like, hopefully, if it's done right, you won't even notice or, or you won't even think too much about it. But then if we go to the nitty-gritty in the details in the, you know, the implementation details of this I know it's got to be one of those massive projects that touch like every part of the code base, kind of, <laughs> at least the front end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it adds extra complexity to everything else you do, yeah. unless you do it right, which like, and Ryan tweeted a little bit about like some of the behind the scenes there of like, you really have to abstract out your design system mm-hmm. from like a lot of assumptions you can make. You're only working in light mode. And like, there's lots of neat little touches. Like, I think how you, you get that little—I don't know how you call it—like an inner inner shadow or a, yeah. a slight like little border around the interface elements to just like make them stand out a bit more. And 
increase that that sort of contrast with the background and just yeah i don't know it just feels right <laughs> it just looks really good feels more at home i saw someone say this like it almost makes me want to wish for that the the light mode was fully light mm. now like there's just something that having this sort of uniform wait, wait what do you mean like because of the top bar and stuff yeah yeah exactly yeah and maybe it's just a like it looks old thing <laughs> <laughs> that it's like oh the new one looks new and so it's cool mm-hmm. the same way that i sort of ran my my computer in dark mode like the first time that uh that they released dark mode but yeah i don't know it just it looks great as someone who worked on some dark mode explorations for products in the past uh, more recently Superlist, we did deep dive into it as well it is way more complex than you might think i do recommend watching the wwdc session when they first introduced dark mode on the mac i can look for links and i'll put it in the show notes but like they go over some of the details like even on just mac os stuff it's a lot more than just changing the colors mm. and then it's one of those things that like shadows if you have any drop shadows like you mentioned then well if the background is black then those shadows don't work uh useless so you can't use pure blacks pretty much anywhere you can do it wrong like twitter does i, I don't know if they still do but like they had <laughs> white shadows which don't do that it's just yeah <laughs> google maps also oh my god that's a lazy path uh I, I would say and then another thing is that like everything is actually brown light gray ish uh, more than you might think i remember that like when i was exploring some theming and stuff for superlist let's say Every time I would show the just the, the mock-up, people would look at it and say, "That's not dark enough. Like that's just brown, like a <laughs> like a like a light gray almost." And then I would make it darker. And then when I put it in context, like in macOS and your desktop alongside other apps, you would see, "Oh no, no, yeah, that's way too dark." Like it's you know. So it, there's a lot of considerations you ha- might have, and it's one of those things that, like, at least for me, when you you need to really put it in context and like zoom out to see how it fits with the OS and it fits with your content and all. Anyway. I, I'd love to talk more about this. Maybe we'll have some people over or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it would be great. Uh, I think there's lots of neat little details that we probably don't notice that make this great. But I, I got to say, I've been running in dark mode since it launched. And I love it. And I don't want to switch back <laughs> to light mode. And to the extent that it made me, like, when I click over to the, the Fig Jam tab, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> like, this is very bright. Um, I do understand why it makes maybe less sense for Fig Jam than than for our, uh, Figma, but yeah, I don't know. I just like the dark mode so much. The really tricky thing is, and I think Ryan or someone else on the team, I, I remember seeing someone pointed that out. I think it was a reply to someone. Yeah, yeah. So that I- like if you have just loose text on the canvas background, and if you were to cho- change the color, the background of the canvas, then all that text might be rendered like you know illegible <laughs> and especially fig jam is just like loose objects and text yeah exactly uh, you know kind of lose the that context of frames and stuff so yeah anyway yeah let's maybe we'll follow up on this uh, next week or something another big thing was improved auto layout and also redesign auto layout it's not just a redesign there's a lot of new features this was one of those things that like they pretty much covered all of my grievances with auto layout <laughs> maybe not all but like most of them for sure so one huge thing is that now you can have elements inside an auto layout frame that have absolute positioning. So they'll just, 
ignore any auto layout rule and then you can place it wherever you want in a, in a frame. Thank God. <laughs> I Interesting that they did expressly use like absolute positioning, a, a very CSS right. you know, vocabulary, which you know, we know Figma is a web tool, so Figma is using a lot of CSS <laughs> for its own, you know, inner workings. So Is it? Do we know that? Well, I always assumed yes, but maybe not. Because it could be like some kind of WebGL render like it, Fair enough. it's not because it's a web-based tool that's built with html and CSS, but it could be i uh, know it could be uh, no uh, i mean you can inspect element you can open the console uh in the dom right i think the developer mode uh, yeah i guess so we can answer this question if we do some research let's try it out i don't know yeah but i wouldn't be surprised if it was i know they pretty much like use absolute positionings for everything in the canvas. Right, yeah. So, yeah, maybe. But yeah, th- th- so that was interesting. Another thing that I think I've tweeted a couple of times and I know for sure I've said it here on the show is that when you have, uh, let's say, like a, a group of like four stacks of elements in auto layout stacked vertically, the first element in a stack, if you think of the Z index, would be rendered below the second element. And sometimes that's not what you want, especially if you want them overlap. Yeah. So now you have an option in like drop down somewhere to change that order. So that is great. Just the fact that it didn't match your order. Like if you're laying down a list top to bottom, the layers would be reversed. Yeah. Just completely just didn't make sense for I understood why it worked that way. Like there are, there are reasons, but it just never really made sense from a practical standpoint. So it's so good that they've corrected that. And also I just alluded to it. You can have negative spacing between elements. So you can, you know, have elements overlap, but still in an auto layout fashion, which is great. It was one of those things like you get to a point where you, you don't even ask for it because you feel like it's a stretch. In this case, I was like, well, there's a bunch of other stuff that I feel like they should do to auto layout first. Like these I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So like having inverse or, you know, negative spacing was one of those things that like, I would love for it to happen, but like, Maybe one day, you know, I'm not even going to ask for it because I feel like there's so many other items <laughs> in the priority list. But no, here, I feel like in one clean sweep, they covered a bunch of stuff. There's more stuff that I didn't mention, but it, it also have a, like a redesign panel. And this is not really like auto layout, but maybe like the um, component properties, mm. which I haven't actually played with this myself. And I've only watched the keynote once. So I might be missing some details or maybe i misunderstood the thing but what i think it was is like when you create a component you can let's say select one item in the component and quickly create make it a property so let's say that you have a button with an icon and label if you want to like a variant of that without the icon instead of you having to create a new variable you can just define that icon as a property that then you can toggle on and off yeah also same for like text content and stuff so you can switch the text of that of that text element uh, directly in the inspector, which was very interesting because that reminds me a lot of Sketch. That's how Sketch does uh, their components <laughs> yeah. or symbols, they call it. So it was interesting to see some cues also, you know, uh, some things that were working there. And they, you know, I don't know how much of an influence Sketch was on this, but yeah, so I, I've already seen a bunch of uh, friends on Twitter, uh, including um, uh, friend Joey, uh, Joey Banks. He's already like how much they can simplify their uh, design system files. It just removed so much complexity and so many variants with this. So that is uh, very welcome. Yeah, I would say I think, I mean, it's interesting. It seems still limited to three things. One, it's text. 
Two, it's selecting a components. And then three, it's toggling the visibility of something. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of potential there. So yeah, like I think it's interesting for people who, who maintain these large component libraries and certainly enables a lot. But I feel like this is only the beginning of like their ideas with this. Like I, it seems to me like it's the start of where they want to go with it. And I can't wait to see Mm -hmm. the full extent of what they would be able to do with more advanced sort of variables and properties. You know what's another thing I really want for the future of components in general? Also inspired by some of Sketch's implementation, like I would love to have a a, a better way to browse components and maybe add documentation to it and Mm -hmm. like lay them out on a page. Like I feel like I just also still so many manual labor of like putting Putting the the components like <laughs> right. lay them out in a way that makes sense and it's readable, mm. and then annotating them. I honestly never use like the annotation in the what I call it. It's not an inspector, but you know you can add like details or or documentation. I think they call it directly in a components uh, thing. Right. But like I never used that, so I just ended up marking up the canvas myself and that whatever so i feel like that sketch does some very interesting something very interesting with that also with textiles and color styles and for example if you want to create a bunch of textiles you don't have to create text blocks in the canvas to create those mm-hmm. uh, you just have to wait to browse textiles so anyway i feel like that's a big area of improvement that i yeah one of the things that i think you didn't mention for auto layout is the on canvas oh uh controls for modifying like spacing and like, moving stuff around totally forgot. yeah which is, to me is such a great feature because it really i feel like it takes a system that's maybe a little complex to people at first and just makes it that much more visual and easier to use and there's also lots of cool details there where like you can drag the little handles and modify the spacing but you can also click on them and then that will give you a text field Mm -hmm. where you can input the amount love those details which I think is just awesome. And yeah, because yeah, I think it, it's tempting to put more and more stuff into that right sidebar, but bringing more of these controls in line with the preview gives you a more sort of direct manipulation feeling and there's less sort of hunting around. What is the feel that I'm looking for to change the thing that I'm interested in changing? So that's another huge win, I think, in terms of not only in terms of efficiency, but also in terms of usability and understandability of the auto layout system. So another like really awesome feature. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I wonder how, like, what's the path for people to get into that the auto layout concept? Like, I think for us nerds, I don't know, we are, like we come to Figma with this concept already established for us, like from other tools, from CSS, from whatever. Uh, I wonder what it's like for people. Also, to hear it, like just pure research, like how people get introduced to auto layout and like what clicks, like, you know, how to get to it whatever yeah i'm really curious about that too because it is like at the end of the day design tools are becoming more like developer tools <laughs> uh at least adding more and more functionality hey before we get to all of the other features let's let's take another break to talk about uh, another cool sponsor let's do it today we are also sponsored by zeppelin they're back uh to let you know again uh, about their new feature called flows which is a new way to communicate design intention so I was just, uh, you know, a minute ago telling you how uh, I found it <laughs> awkward to use some of Figma's own documentation features and like that I ended up just marking up the canvas itself directly. Well, flows <laughs> are here to help me and you. Um, so 
Zeppelin noticed a trend with designers, this is what, exactly what I just mentioned, trying to explain design intentions by adding arrows and lines and, and shapes and, and like text blocks anywhere in, directly in their Figma files. So that approach makes it uh, very difficult to add it, like do any changes. Because if you create a text thing on top of a frame saying, this is the flow for the sign-up thing, and then you move the frame or you change the frame, that text thing is just lost in the in the vacuum, in the emptiness of uh, the canvas. So Flows is here to address this. So what it does is uh, it's a very fast and effortless way to create an outline user flows and journeys. Designers can use flows to connect screens in seconds and map complete user journeys, showing not just the happy path, but all the possible paths and behaviors. All you need to do is uh, you add screens you want in a flow, and then uh, in flows, you, you add a connector. Like you will snap into place to connecting all the screens. Um, and you can add arrows or like one arrows, two-way arrows. You can click directly on the line and add labels to like document, clarify, uh, let's say edge cases or error paths and, you know, stuff like that. So these layers now, these frames, as you publish and as you update them, your flows and connectors will get updated also automatically as you make changes. So how does this make it different than just doing the thing in Figma? Well, doing it in Figma would be way more time consuming uh, to maintain, just what I just said. <laughs> and um, Flows also has a bunch of additional features. So they have groups, boards, flow previews to help further organize flows. So it's not just annotating and adding arrows. You can group entire sections, entire screens. So like I said, groups, you can cluster and name a set of uh, screens and flows. Boards, you can create folders, tabs, and organize by specific product features, dev teams, or however is best for your team. And then the flow previews is really cool is uh, in a flow, you can preview from one screen, like the next screen, get a little preview of what's coming. So it's really cool. You, you should check it out. You can go to zeppelin.io slash features slash flows. We're going to put links in the show notes. You can just go either on our website or in the podcast app that you're listening us from. Um, there's links in there and you can tap in them or click on them. Check it out. Our huge thanks to Zeppelin for coming back and sponsoring Layout. Boom. Thanks. All right. Pew! Okay. Another feature. Another one. Because we're only like halfway through the list. Huh? It's one they call Spotlight. Not to be confused with... Um, Mac OS spotlight thing. So it's not a command space thing. It's when you're on a file and you have like other people in the file, you can spotlight yourself so that everyone else would, uh, I think they call it observe you, right? Where they can see your screen. So if you pan around, they follow you, mm -hmm. which is one of those features that like I knew I wanted it, but I didn't knew I wanted it. Like I never yeah. <laughs> thought to ask, but I did encounter that like annoyance which is like, hey, can you all tap on my face, click on my face in the corner so you can follow me? I've said this <laughs> dozens of times in my life. Yep. So this is it. It's effectively doing that. Instead of you asking people to click on your face and some people would be confused, you just do it yourself. Now, I found it curious that it feels like the default behavior is you activate Spotlight. Everyone else in the file will get a little toast saying so-and-so is requesting or is asking for Spotlight. Well, I forget the copy. But you effectively these people have a timer to like decline but if they don't then all of a sudden they'll be observing people which mm -hmm. i find it interesting that that's the behavior as opposed to people who get a toast asking permission like someone so is requesting you to, to observe them click here to observe them how do you think about this do you feel like this is the right way <laughs> uh, i 
feel like time will tell. It's really hard to tell with this one. Because mm-hmm. I get that the whole point of this feature is to like make the thing happen, right? Like I'm in a meeting, this stressful meeting with lots of people, and I just want everyone to just follow me. I don't want them to have to futz with anything and then just be following the right person. And so if they made it an explicit action that people have to take, then people might as well click on your face, right? right? Then instead of saying, click on my face, you're like, click on the toast. <laughs> and then we're, we're back to the square one. So I kind of feel like it, they have to do this. Like they have to auto opt you in mm-hmm. to the feature. But we'll have to see. Like I also know that oftentimes, you know, we'll be doing a presentation and there's like five other people that are just in the file somewhere and may not be part of the presentation and so i wonder how people are going to react to this and if there's a way for them to maybe get smarter over time like i i don't know i find it it's going to be a tricky feature to get right but i i almost feel like you kind of have to accept this as a trade-off for the feature to do what it wants to do just like well you know some people are going to get put into spotlight mode even though they didn't want to yeah <laughs> that just just have to accept this as a trade-off of using it yeah that makes sense i i immediately jumped to the spam scenario or abuse scenario people just requesting spotlight and so you're working i don't know you're not interested <laughs> and you have to decline 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 i don't know if you can mute someone <laughs> requesting spotlight uh or like i don't know if you're you're on Figma, but like, but you're talking to a coworker uh, or something. So you just, you know, you're not looking at your screen, and then all of a sudden, when you look back, you're like somewhere else, and you're following someone, and then yeah. maybe you lost your place. You didn't even know where you were. I'm sure the team thought long and hard about all these scenarios. So at this point, it's like one of those things. Like I'm sure they have data. <laughs> to back whatever decision they made but yeah it was let's just say it was surprising i feel like we've been accustomed to experiences being very um protective of your own like giving you control all the time right so it is i'm not used to seeing like stuff like this happen like stuff will happen to you mm. <laughs> if you're not i think the default behavior is fine but i think they should probably give you the user an option to set your preference right so you could say hey, I never want to be auto-spotlight into someone. And then you basically, with that, acknowledge that I am a more tech-savvy user and I will be able to like click on the thing to join myself. Or like if, if you're in the organizational plan, you can disable auto-spotlight for certain people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But I think for most people, most of the time you know mm-hmm. uh, that feature is going to be better and it's going to help everyone get on the same page literally <laughs> in this case <laughs> nice. uh i want to talk about another feature that i think is really clever and i really like which is the uh, truncate text feature mm-hmm. uh, and that's a feature where if you uh, put in a text box somewhere you can now have figma automatically truncate the text for you so put the ellipsis essentially whatever the text extends your box and i think there's tons of great use cases for that oh yeah and I know I've certainly like been in situations where I need to like manually truncate the text and then you like move something around and then it's like, oh, I need to add a couple (laughs) more words back into this. All been there. Add the ellipses, go back one thing and then delete. Not yet. Delete. 
Delete. Okay, now. <laughs> yep. Exactly. It's like, yep. Like we can just solve this problem and we can fix this. Uh, and I think Joey had a great example of this on Twitter for his his UI kit, where like he was putting an address uh, and he kind of want to be able to to easily truncate it. I think there's tons of use cases for that. It's little features like this that make Figma feel magical, right? Like no other tool had these kinds of features before. Is it groundbreaking? Maybe not, but it's just like so many little quality of life improvements as a designer that just, I don't know. I've already done it a couple of times in different things that I'm working on. It's like, it just makes me happy (laughs) that I can do this and I don't have to worry about it. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. I think it's a sign of, it feels like we're entering a different level of maturity of these design tools. Speak for myself, I've always felt like these tools starting with sketch way back when they're like new right they're like newcomers they're starting from scratch they're like simplifying that that was part of the whole thing we're rethinking this right and some of those little details they takes a while for the tool to catch up to all of those because there's so many other like low-hanging fruits of a tool like that they need to cover and i feel like as a tool you decide how why you want to spread right like let's say in the case of Figma or these design tools, it's like, hey, should we do basic, like, you know, UI screen drawing basic stuff? Yes. Should we have more in-depth, like, typography controls, font control? Maybe. Should we include prototype or no? You know, like, should we cover that? That's a big one. Should we put our efforts into mm-hmm. that? Yes. Presentation stuff, like developer handoff. All of these, like, seem to be, like, table stakes or things that we as an industry agree that these are, like, again, table stakes. And I feel like Figma is the first out of these tools that achieve this level of maturity, not just in product, but also team maturity, like how big the team is. I'm pretty sure Figma has the biggest team compared to Sketch, compared to uh, Framer, compared to uh, like even Adobe XD. If I had to guess, I think that's right. Mm. So this is a, such a small thing, but even in, in the implementation details, like, all right, we, we got it. Like now we're going to the small things, but also makes such a big difference because otherwise uh, this is more that we're going to talk in a second, like the spring animation thing, even individual strokes, you know, it's like, yeah, it's nice. Like it's not a break or, you know, make it or break it, but it's like, we want that. It'd be nice. Okay, let's talk about the strokes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so for the longest time, I mean, I think, haven't we all been there where we've created the shadows where we <laughs> wanted a border uh, to apply just on one side? Uh, and we've waited, it seems like, an eternity <laughs> for that feature to arrive. And then they did it. Uh, they finally did it. You can now select which side you want your border. You can have it apply to all. You can have it top, bottom, or any combination of these that you want to. Love that feature. Thank God it's going to improve so many, so many workflows. And it's just so much better than having to create a shadow. Okay, all the great things <laughs> aside, I still think it's wild to me that you can create multiple strokes, but they're always the same stroke width like no matter what it's just really weird like even sketch does this right like where you can select the stroke and whether they're like inside or or outside individually per stroke that you're applying to your item and in this case too right like i can't say 
okay, I want a red stroke at the bottom and I want a blue stroke at the top. It's like both of them I see what you mean. are applied on the same side. So there's like a weird coupling there, I find. It's like I can apply multiple strokes, but they will all have the same thickness and they all apply to the same side. And I'm kind of like, why? <laughs> why would I actually want multiple strokes then? Like, it's, it seems like I, yeah. there's, I can't even think of one use case where I would want that. So I, agree. I think it's a step in the right direction, but I think there's more to go on strokes. It's like the, it's that plus button is misleading. Yeah. Because, yeah, you would think that plus a whole new stroke that I can have the same level of control. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what it should be, I think. But it's not yet. So nice work on the strokes. Keep going. Hopefully that's the beginning <laughs> of more. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you think they have like the strokes team, design team, you know, like <laughs> internally? <laughs> I wonder. And so I'll give you an example of like something we want to do sometimes is I want to have a shape that's like an outline and I want around it like a white yep. stroke to basically be like a, either I'm putting it over something or I'm doing sort of making it look like a sticker, yep. <laughs> like that kind of effect. Those are often things that I find myself wanting to be able to set multiple strokes with different thicknesses and then different colors as well. So still not a thing that's easy to do in Figma, but hopefully, I mean, it seems, you know, based on what we've seen for this week in the event, that they're really listening and they're paying attention to a lot of the things that people were talking about. So I feel like my hopes are pretty high that this is something they'll get around to because I can't be the only person who wants to see this feature. But yeah. So anyways, nice job on on strokes. Like, I think it's a nice improvement. Yeah, definitely not the only person. And it does, you know, Sketch has done this since ever forever that's how strokes work there so yeah i mean you you mentioned a, a pretty good use case i've been using that i mean i encountered that design some of our logos and stuff because also have like that sticker thing look thing and uh yeah you have to end up just duplicating the layer and then the layer on the bottom like add a thicker stroke or something and just peek out yeah yeah cool good job team keep going yeah uh spring animations yes seems great yep i can I just say something? Uh, I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. So they've had not really spring animations per se, but they had an animation curve editor, which you could make it spring a little bit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It wouldn't come back, but you could do one springiness, if you will. Mm. Anyway, these animations in Figma for me, like I've never hit good frame rate. Like performance have always been very bad for me. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like almost never. Huh. I don't know what's happening i just assume like that's what it was like the well that's prototyping in figma for you has this never happened to you this is not an issue for you no but is this something you're looking at on device no well no i just like hit preview played the thing yeah i guess i'm playing with it now it is a little choppy i agree but i've never tried to to make high fidelity uh, prototypes in figma anyways i mean right like it would be like oh like you click here this like appears uh and you kind of get the idea and then we would refine the, the actual animation somewhere else mm-hmm. um, i mean i think it's a very valid point though i think it, there's no reason why it shouldn't be s- super smooth it seems weird that it's not but i would say like while the frame rate is a little choppy it seems usable to me <laughs> like it seems good enough 
<laughs> to get the point across. Are you going to re- record like a, a promo video with that? <laughs> no, probably not. But it feels close enough, at least for me on my machine. All right. I'll look better into this. I'll make a screen grab. I'll send it to the team. All right. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, variable fonts uh, option. That's uh, welcome. I have to admit, I never use variable fonts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, isn't there a variable font version of SF Pro now? Did I dream of that, that that exists now? I feel like I heard about this. Let me check. How do you feel the fact that Enter is still the default? Makes sense, right? Yeah, I could be wrong about the SF Pro thing, actually. No, it seems, yeah, I mean, at least, I don't know if it's the font or if it's like a Figma applying certain, actually, I don't know enough about variable fonts to know what's happening. But I do the slider dingus and it slides. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's there cool. you go. There you go. Yeah, so it is a variable font. There you go. Boom. Boom. Yeah, I mean, good job. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice. Yeah, I don't actually use it. But it's it's good to have if one day I want to use it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing they have is some widget integrations for FigJam, which I admit I don't, I, now I, have, I don't use FigJam as much. This team, smaller team, you know. Uh, but it's nice so you can have like some Jira widgets, GitHub like widgets. So and they like talk back. So if you have like a Jira ticket, I think they use as an example. And if you check the ticket or add a label or something that reflects uh, the real thing, it's it is a real thing. So that's that's cool, I guess. Yeah, I have to say with these, I do not know who would use this or why they would use this but maybe it's just i don't have a good imagination for me i'm like i don't use FigJam enough or as in depth as to at least in these examples i seem to, to be using so i'm gonna reserve my judgment like this i guess it's not for me yeah but it's cool like what it opens up like i i think it would be cool if you could bring some of these widgets to figma proper at some point not these widgets but like widgets you know if you know what i mean right yeah 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 i think widgets are great yeah i just don't know the use case of like turning stickies into into issues Mm -hmm. as a use case but who knows (laughs) maybe some people have these have these use cases uh, somewhere same thing with categorizing issues if you want to categorize issues all of these tools have good categorization and like kanban style like drag the cart around it's like i don't know why you would need fig jam for that but you know what you know what's my next after all these announcements uh, like well what's next in your you know, feature request <laughs> the thing now that annoys me and I, I bring this up now because thinking of these widgets in Figma proper is making me think of plugins as well my biggest gripe is now that if you open a plugin in figma which has its own little window those windows like can only be rendered inside figma re- window if that makes sense oh i see i wish i could just it, it would have its own mac os window so i could just move it outside right. of the figma frame <laughs> i never know where to put those <laughs> <laughs> the the plugin windows anyway i know that's hard especially with you know maybe electron and stuff but i believe in you you know you can do it. Yeah, I mean, they can do a lot of great stuff, so yeah. I'm sure they can figure that out, too. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> it would be nice. Because I don't use... Maybe I'm an anomaly here, because I, I would assume that most people use Figma full screen, right? And in that case, this doesn't make sense. Really? Dude, I think we're like the Mac dinosaurs. I can't imagine anyone using it full screen. What? I mean, maybe when you're on a laptop, but... Oh, man, I would challenge that or something. Really? I think most people use most apps in full screen. Because that's the Windows way. And most people use Windows. I'm just saying, I mean, maybe I'm in meetings all day with people. And 
I very, very rarely see people using it full screen. Wow. All right. Well, I would love to know this, by the way. <laughs> Obviously, if you're on a laptop, that's a different story, right? Like, right. you know, you have limited amount of, of screen space. And even with the two bars on each side, uh, that really doesn't leave a lot of room. That's fine. Yeah. But for anyone using Figma on a, on a like proper desktop computer or like connected to a monitor, at least, I feel like there's no way. <laughs> There's no way people use it. Use it full screen there. It would be ridiculous. It just it would be a bad use of space just for the back and forth between like the layer panel and then the the inspector, right? Like you, your mouse has to travel such a long distance to get from one to the other. Then I think it'd be a bad idea. But um, one of my little pet peeves personally is how masks can't have a fill or a like an effect mm. oh yeah that's also very annoying and i don't know if you can do this but like in sketch when you uh use a rectangle or a layer as a mask you have the option of selecting like a color mask or an alpha mask mm. and that would be nice if i could just use the opacity of the mask to mask the content if that makes sense yeah so if i have like a gradient like a very classic thing is like if you have a list and then it fades at the edge of the screen or something I can just like apply it. I actually didn't know you could do that in Sketch, but that's really cool. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I went crazy on masks to make these app icons. <laughs> uh, nice. Masks and blend modes, baby. So yeah, that's my pet peeve. It's like it wouldn't be a layout episode if we were a little hard on. <laughs> if we weren't a little hard on Figma. <laughs> so. It's because we love you, Figma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, yeah, overall, I mean, this event, I think, has been amazing. Can't wait to watch all of the other talks. I've been seeing lots of tweets about various talks mm-hmm. uh, from Config, and it seems like it's been a real success. It's, like, amazing how they can go from announcing a whole bunch of new features one day, and in the same day, I'm already using like, the majority of them. Um, I think that's just a, a real testament to like them picking a lot of really great features, listening to the community, and just their amazing ability to deliver. And like I tweeted about this, like I think they're firing on all cylinders. Like they're doing an incredible job. So uh, great work, everyone. I would also add that it's admirable how like Figma the app can also act as Figma, the design hub. Like I opened Figma and I had the banner for the conference that was happening. And then I could open the conference right after, like I opened Figma again. And like, there's a thing saying, by the way, we introduced new auto layout things. You can click there to like, they'll give you this example file, which is really well done. Uh, You can just go through the file learn all about layout you can in the file create you know play with the things directly manipulate things directly that whole experience is really well done even like small things as in like i'm on a design file designing uh something you know like oh i need a status bar for the thing and then in the app go like to community browse files and plugins from everyone and like duplicate the file copy paste on my thing mm. that ecosystem that they're building is admirable and i think i don't praise it enough because if you compare it to any other tools like you don't see it you don't see that really well done and so the the whole like how somehow they've incorporated not just the conference itself but then all the announcements all the new features in the products really well done good job team yep love it cool all right 
Google event. No, just kidding. It's. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna let you uh, watch it uh, or watch a recap or something. Maybe we're out of time, but maybe we'll talk about it next week or whenever we're low on topics. Let's do the recommendations real quick before we go. Oh yeah, do you want to go first? I do. <laughs> I would love to, Kevin. <laughs> Great. Well, this is kind of a cheat, but not really. Last week I said, by the way, this is probably what I'm going to recommend next week. <laughs> Guess what? This is what I'm recommending this week. I'm recommending Michael Flareup's uh, book, the iOS app icon book. It arrived here. It shipped like the following day after we recorded last week. And um, it's a wonderful piece of history, <laughs> like preserved <laughs> piece of history. It was so nostalgic going back and seeing some like old classics, but also it's really insightful, like how some of the like spotlights or something, just like, you know, learning more about the specific designers. Mm. Also love not just the book, but the little bonus swag bonus that came with it which is like the stencil for an app icon oh yeah i saw that spoiler alert yes well <laughs> sorry <laughs> well michael spoiled it himself in the youtube video <laughs> but yeah that's such a cool little like you know a little little moment of delight in physical form <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the book is great it's uh it's in my my shelf it's one of those you can just like browse you know every once in a while take a break and like look at some app icons for inspiration or something it's really well made uh we know it's been in the making uh in the works for a couple of years looks like it like it looks like it's a lot of work it's really well done and uh yeah uh, you can uh, we're gonna put links in the show notes you can buy the book if you want and you should if you're into this kind of stuff and that's my recommendation and finally i feel like it's one of those rare moments in where uh, if you're in europe you get it first <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i'm really feeling it <laughs> yeah wow what is this haven't received my coffee yet yeah there you go sucks to be in the americas uh, <laughs> that's okay that's okay you, you've deserved this one <laughs> <laughs> thanks michael for being european <laughs> <laughs> you know what i couldn't find a proper recommendation this week to be honest but i will still recommend one it's just gonna be a weird recommendation and maybe it's just an excuse to talk about it a little bit i don't know if you saw i mean it seems like all of the teams are releasing new stuff but i don't know if you saw airbnb has a new like airbnb 2022 summer release yeah and they put together this like marketing page to kind of like showcase their features which is very like reminiscent of what apple does with their ios releases but i just wanted to touch on like how i think it's kind of interesting i kind of like this idea of having releases of software products too that it sort of packages up a bunch of new ideas new features together and gives them some place to be and exist and it's kind of a notion that we we lost a little bit in the idea of hey software can be updated at any point at any given time uh, and we sort of lost that artifact of like, hey, this is the milestone that we've launched and this is the vision. It'll be in the show notes for people who want to see. There's like a little film to introduce it. Uh, and then it's just like pretty nice like marketing page that kind of explains the thinking behind it. And I just think it, it's a nice way to release new features. And it certainly was like a good piece of inspiration for me personally on like how to kind of position some of the work that we do. So yeah, I think it's a really great example. Good stuff. All right. Unlike Figma, these features don't seem to be available yet. <laughs> <laughs> in the airbnb app so uh thumbs down on this for you airbnb but good job on the landing page <laughs> all right well you can listen to this episode right now 
<laughs> right now. And you can also follow us on Twitter right now. We're already out um, available on Twitter as you're listening to this. You can go to at layoutfm uh, for our podcast account. Uh, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw, uh, but our layout account has the new Twitter layout. I don't know if you saw that. Like the full width. Oh, I also have it on my personal one. Oh, interesting. I don't have it on my personal. I gotta say, I love Twitter. I love you, Twitter. Being in Europe is rough as a Twitter user. <laughs> you know, sure, we get the iOS uh, app icon book early, but every other Twitter feature, we're just so slow. I don't have super follows. I don't have any kind of monetization thing. I don't have any of that. It took me forever to have fleets. But hey, we were one of the first to, to lose fleets, so not fair. <laughs> so anyway, just saying. Sorry. To be honest, the full width Twitter not an improvement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also like, not a fan. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I don't think you you want to be on that minute. <laughs> It just reminds me of Facebook for some reason. Yeah, it's like a Faster Twits book. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, you follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rafa Hari. Uh, I tweet stuff every once in a while. And Kevin is at Vernal Kick. Oh, by the way, Kevin, I forgot to ask you mm-hmm. an update on until. Uh, there's no update. I haven't worked on it. All right. All right. Well, there you go. I didn't have time. I'm not judging. It's not even, it's graduated into like not even being procrastination because procrastination would be like me doing other things. This is just me not having time <laughs> to work on anything. All right. So. Well, I'll ask again next week. All good. I hope I will get to it soon. Again, it's just like exactly where we left off last week. So. Sure. That's okay, that's okay. You said that you were out traveling for two weeks, so we gave you a two-week extension. Oh, okay. So you're Good. halfway through the extension. Let's do more next week. Uh. Our huge thanks to uh, both our sponsors this week. I uh, want to thank uh, Zeppelin. Uh, go check them out. Their new features called Flows. And uh, Around, super cool uh, new way to, to have uh, video calls. Which, by the way, is the one we use here at Layout HQ and at Along HQ. Boom. Uh, thank you, Laura, for editing this week's episode of Layout also. We love you. And uh, I think that's it. We love you all, all listeners. Thanks for listening to the, all the way to the end. 